What's up, church? How y'all feeling? Yeah, there we go, there we go. Hey, I'm so excited you guys are here at church today. I know for some of y'all, it's like, it's, it's a Thursday night. Of course you're at YA, this is your rhythm. But I know for some of you in this room, you maybe never even been in this building, or maybe you've never been to church, and you're like, what the heck am I walking into? And so wherever you are on that like spectrum of, of spiritual journey or church attendance, whatever you might uh, call it, we're so glad you're here. You don't have to believe what we believe to belong in this space. And so we invite you to continue to come and see what God has for you. So my name is Connor. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I uh, normally don't get to, t- uh, to talk to teach in YA, but uh, Brian has lost his marbles a little bit, and, and let me uh, come and join and hang with you guys for uh, the evening. And so um, I am excited, but uh, before I jump in, can I tell you guys a story? Yes, there we go. There we go. Sometimes I ask those questions and people just stare at you and it's the worst. So um, uh, so I, I work with middle schoolers primarily. And so the other day, uh, after our small group night, we met on Wednesday nights, we call them tribes. One of our female leaders, she came up to me and she said, hey, Connor, um, so like in the middle of tribes or small groups, um, one of my girls was like, can I go to the bathroom? And then she left and like didn't show up for like another 25 minutes. And I was like, yeah, like we've all been there. You know, like I'm like, I don't really blame her. Like, sorry, U.S. history. I like went to the bathroom every single time we ever had class. And so it's like, okay, cool, cool. Like, thanks for letting me know. And then like a few moments later, then one of the guy leaders walks up to me. He's like, yo, Connor, uh, I just want to let you know during tribes tonight, um, one of my guys said that he had to go to the bathroom. And then he just like didn't show up for like 25 minutes. And I was like, hmm. This is interesting. I like where this is going. Like, we have, like, an investigation. And so I walk over to this, uh, and, and I know this student. I'm like, yo, what's going on, bro? And he's like, what's up, Connor? And I'm like, hey, how was tribe tonight? He's like, it was good. I'm like, hey, I kind of heard you, like, left and, like, didn't come back. And he's like, well, um, so what happened was, like, my mom had to pick me up. And I was like, okay, cool, but, like, you're here talking to me right now. And he's like, well, no, like, my mom picked me up, but then, like, we went and we got my sister, but then we came, we, but then I came back, and now I'm waiting for her to get me picked, like, to get picked up. And I was like, I, I just, like, and we continued to talk, and it continued to just get more bizarre and, like, nonsensical. And so I left that conversation, and I was like, well, clearly I got lied to. But there was a part of my heart that, like, really wanted to believe him. I'm like, maybe... You know, like, I was, like, trying to, like, make it up for him. And, um, man, I just, but, oh, here we go. Yeah, I almost skipped the end of the story. The next day, I wake up, and I was like, Calvary has cameras. Amazing. And so I walk over to our tech team, and so I'm like, hey, like, can we see what happened between the minutes of 6.45 and 7.05 p.m.? You know, and so we, uh, I'll just say this. Uh, shenanigans we're, we're up to. And, and, and I know for some of y'all, maybe you're like, oh, like shenanigans, like can I join a small group? Now that might not be the best way to join a small group. We'd love for you to be in a small group. But besides the point is this, I watched this video and even though I knew the kid lied to me, I sat there and I was like, dang it, man. You know, like it kind of hurt. It stung. There was this moment where I was, I was frustrated. And, and here is the thing that um, John chapter 8, Jesus is talking and he, he describes this guy that we know as Satan or the devil or the enemy. And he is known as this guy who, uh, not this guy, the spiritual being. He's a, a murderer from the beginning. It says there's no truth in him. And Jesus says lying is his native language, that he is the, the father of lies. And here's what we all know, whether it's a goofy story like getting lied to by a seventh grade boy about what he was doing during small group or something else. Like we know this to be true, that, that lies hurt, lies sting, they, they mess up and, and do damage to like who we are and what we believe 
and how we act in this world. Now, hold on to that thought. Let's jump into Proverbs 27, 19. This is the, kind of the main passage of the idea that Brian Williams gave me as we kick off this new series called The Art of Living. But Proverbs 27, 19, it says this. It's a short one, and it's a good one. As water reflects your face, so one's life reflects the heart. So very simple, right? Like you look at water, what do you see? Your face. And so he says, in the same way that when you look at water, you see your face, you look at your life, like what you've done, your life as a whole, and that kind of reflects, it's an image of your heart. And I know for some of us, maybe you look at your life and you're like, oh, there's some pretty good things going on. Uh, um, you, You look at just what you have done and you're like, cool, cool, cool. That's cool. But then for most of us, I think for all of us, if we're honest, we look back at our lives and we see things that just stink. We look back at our lives and we see this reflection of our heart and it hurts and it is no good. And and tonight, uh, we get to confront some of um, the ways that the devil has lied to us that causes us to, to believe these lies and then it twists our heart. And then we look back on our life and we say, what happened? Now, obviously, our sinful nature is a part of it. But what we get to do tonight is we get to confront these lies with truth. We get to remember some of these truths many of us already likely know. And we get to think clearly about who we are, who God is, who we are being, what we are doing, and most importantly, what the scriptures teach us about these things. Um, we, we believe at this church, you know, it says right over here even that God's people delight in God's word. We believe that the, the God who created this world, he speaks to us um, most clearly through his word. And so we're going to look at his word in just a moment. But we also believe that God listens to us when we pray. It's this fascinating, mind-boggling thing. And so what I want to do before we jump into the scripture is pray one more time that the spirit of God will be moving and working in us. And so please pray with me. Father in heaven, you are good to us by giving us this community. You're good to us by um, just so many things. We know that, uh, it, that every blessing in this world comes from you, the Father in heaven. And so God, we, uh, uh, we are just grateful for the gifts you give us. And, and God, I pray that um, in a response to those gifts that we would be good stewards of them and even be good stewards of this time tonight. God, we ask that your spirit would be moving in our hearts even now. God, I pray for the, the people in this room who do not know you or call you the king of this world. God, I pray your spirit would be moving in our hearts tonight to change that. God, as we reflect on the gospel, the work of Jesus on the cross, God, I pray that our hearts would be moved towards worship, would be moved towards right thinking and right understanding as we consider the word and the gift that it is to us. We pray these things because we need you and we love you. Amen. Cool. So we are starting this new series, like I kind of mentioned, the, that is called The Art of Living. Now, um, sometimes we think of Christianity, I, th- I think uh, we can consider Christianity, we think a lot like a, like a math or a science. You know, we, we think of religion or Christianity as this rules of do's and rules of don'ts, things that you have to do, things that you cannot do, and like maybe that's your perception of church. And yes, there is an absolute side of Christianity without a doubt. Like, Yes, absolutely, justification is by faith alone through grace alone. Like, yes, absolutely, for those who have chosen to reject God in this life, he will allow you to walk away from him in eternity. Like, those are true, absolutely. But I, I, there's also this gray area to Christianity. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, like, there's this 
arts, to, to this, this religion that we are a part of, this relationship we have with Jesus. There is this arts to how we live and what God has called us to. And I know, I, for me, even as I say that, I can go, ooh, that like makes me uncomfortable because I think of like black and white, right and wrong. But the reality is, is that um, there is an arts to, to being who God says we are and becoming who God is forming us into. And that's what we get to consider tonight as we confront these lies to, uh, with truth. As um, if your approach or perspective about art is wrong, you're going to have a bad time. Like if you approach uh, drawing something and expect perfection, it's like that's a miserable experience, right? And so y- your perception of this art is important because if you perceive it correctly, art is beautiful. It's full of joy. It's full of adventure. And so let's dive on in together as we look at John chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 15. It's in the New Testament. It's in one of the four accounts of Jesus, his ministry, his teachings, his miracles, his life, death, and resurrection. And uh, it's kind of in this section that uh, uh, people, Bible scholars, call it the upper room discourse. It's basically this massive, um, uh, multiple chapters of Jesus' teachings to the disciples um, the night before he dies on the cross. So this is like right before Jesus is about to die, some of his last teachings to the disciples. John chapter 15, verse 1. If you're there in your Bibles or ready to hear it, can I hear an amen? amen. Shh, there we go. Man, when I do that with middle school, it's like, Sorry, very different experience. It's like an amen or like one kid and then everyone looks at them. Anyways, all right, John 15, here we go. Verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus is this master teacher. He gives this beautiful analogy where he's saying, I am the vine, like Jesus is the source of life, and the Father is the gardener. He's the one who's in control. The Father has the authority, and Jesus is the source of life. And the Father's goal here is fruitfulness. He's the one who's in control, And he desires fruitfulness. And so how does this happen? It continues. Remain in me, in verse 4. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must also remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So... This analogy expands. The Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. You and I are the branches. We are attached to the source of life of Jesus, the the Son. And the Father is this gardener who's pruning us. What is his goal? That we are fruitful. And how does this goal happen? How does this happen? He says it again and again. He says, we remain fruitful. In Christ, And this is the main idea that we're going to be considering tonight. How do we, as followers of Jesus, branches attached to the source of life and, and being controlled and, and uh, in submission to the Father, like how do we remain in Christ? This is the question that I want us to consider. Now, um, th- there's a lot of ways to talk about this. There's a, so many answers to this question. And so when... Um, Sorry, 
get distracted. <laughs> um, how do you remain in Christ? There's many ways to answer this question. Many pastors can say different things. And so I have two main ideas for us tonight, but these are not the only two ideas. Most of the ideas are going to come around to this idea of like a spiritual discipline that you might have heard of if you've been going to church. But I want to point us to something else that might help encourage us. So I, here's my first question before uh, we really think about this idea is um, who, now don't say your answer out loud. That would be so hurtful. Who is your favorite preacher? I want you to think of that. Like, who do you love hearing preach? Now, I don't know if you're, like, here all the time. Maybe it's Brian Howard. Maybe it's Brian Williams. Maybe it's the other Pastor Brian Field. we got a lot of Pastor Brians here. Maybe it's Pastor Sarah. Maybe it's someone you listen to online or podcasts you listen to on Monday mornings. I don't know who your favorite preacher is, but my hope is that your answer would be none of those people. <laughs> my hope is that your favorite preacher would be you, that you would be your favorite preacher. The first way that I want us to consider how we remain is Christ is that we would preach the gospel to ourselves daily, that we would preach the gospel to ourselves daily, not just listening to others, but that we would wake up and hour by hour, day by day, be reminding ourselves of the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. If you need a starting point, here's some verses that might get you going. You know, some of us, it's like, you know this, and even if you think you really know this, I, I want to encourage you to memorize this week, like starting tomorrow morning, starting tonight for all I care, these different verses in Romans, and that these verses would guide your preaching to yourself daily. So I'm, I'm not going to throw up Romans 2.10, but the first kind of like start to this gospel is that Jesus created you and I for this good life. In 2.10, it's described as being full of glory, honor, and peace. <laughs> Who needs some peace? I need some peace in my life, right? Like, and that's what God's designed us for. But Romans 3.23, many of these verses are famous. Maybe you're familiar with them. He says that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You cannot say, like, I've only sinned a little bit. It's like, no. Like, for all have sinned. All of you. And you fell short of God's glory. I think some of us as Christians, I do this all the time. Like, I look at other people and I'm like, yo, that's jacked up. You know, like, my sin, I just kind of got angry on someone on the freeway. You know, like, they like, that's really bad. You know, and here's an analogy that I think might help. Imagine if I had a mirror and I took a hammer and I smashed the mirror on the bottom left corner. Is the mirror broken? Yes, you're like, <laughs> some of you are like, depends how strong you are, Connor. Um, no, the mirror's broken, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you smack the thing in the middle, it shatters. You smack it in the bottom left-hand corner, you can't be like, will the top right corner, like, still kind of works? It's like, no, right? The mirror's broken, right? Like, sin, you've fallen short of God's glory. And then Romans 6, 23 says this, that the wages of sin is death. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have made a transaction, whether you decided to or not, or really, really even realized it, is that we have made a transaction. It says that the wages of sin is death. We have been like, give me sin, I want to purchase this, and we give up our life. We receive death. This is how the gospel begins, but then Romans 5, 8 is the good news of Jesus. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, in the midst of our sin and filth and mess, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The most heroic thing we can imagine 
is when someone risks their life for somebody else, right? Like if you read a newspaper article and it's like, local pizza man ran into burning building to save kittens. You know, it's like, oh, that's, that's pretty sweet, right? Like that's like, that like gets your heart tingling. I said kittens and none of y'all responded. Wait, if I said like baby children, would that help? Okay, okay. So, okay, this pizza man goes to save some babies, right? But like him risking his life, like that's the peak of like heroic actions. That is what Jesus has done for you and for me. And remember what we just discussed. The, the, how we started is we're not good people. It's Jesus has done, died for sinners for you and me. The gospel is not something that you and I do. It is something that is done for us. In other words, as my college pastor used to always say and remind us, that Jesus' last words on the cross were not get to work. His last words on the cross were it is finished. And that's the good news of the gospel, that he has demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if uh, I didn't put the verse up on the screen, but Romans also tells us that if you believe in your heart that Jesus has risen from the grave and confess that Christ is like the Lord, the King of all kings, then you will be saved. And for those who have put their faith and hope in Jesus, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, because of what Jesus has done and because of the faith that you have in him, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, it means no condemnation. Not like sometimes, or if like you've been following Jesus for a long time, but then you mess up and now you have some condemnation. It's like, no. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This word to condemn has two aspects to it. It has this one part that, uh, that is this idea that you're guilty. And then the second part is there's this idea that you're getting a punishment. I think some of us start to follow God maybe, like maybe for those of us who follow God, after a while, you start to maybe believe this lie that God is sitting up in heaven just waiting to judge you and bring some punishment down upon you because of the way you're living. And Romans 8.1 tells us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news of what Jesus has done. Then Romans 12.1 concludes with this. It says, therefore, in view, of, or I urge you, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, like in view of this gospel, in view of what God has done for you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God, that this is your true and proper worship. So the result of this gospel is that you give God every bit of your lives. We call it this really churchy word, worship. It's not just singing. It is singing, but it's everything. Like, we respond to the mercy God has given us by offering our whole bodies, our whole lives, every little thing to Jesus. And this is true and proper worship. This is the good news of the gospel. I encourage you, know it, memorize it, and preach it to yourself daily. Memorize these verses and preach it to yourself daily. Now listen, I love this church. I grew up in this church. I've been on staff with this church for a while. Like, I love this building. I love this room. I love YA. I love small groups. Like, I, I hope that you're here all the time. Like, I hope you're here on Thursdays. I hope you're here on Tuesdays for small group and Sundays for serving. Like, I love this church. But Jesus just doesn't say, remain in my church. He says, remain in me. And so my hope is that if you only hear the gospel preached, with someone with a microphone, you're just missing out on the joy of remaining in Christ. 
Would you pick up this habit of daily preaching the gospel to yourself as you seek to remain in Christ? Here is the second idea for how we can remain in Christ. You need to expand your view of the cross of Christ. And here's what I mean. I'm going to show you this graph. Uh, it has, uh, I found it in a book that I read in 2017 with some other people from YA, and I haven't looked at it since. And for some reason, this Tuesday, just a couple days ago, God like led me to this book because I was trying to find some other verses, and randomly I found this, uh, this graph, and I was like, this is amazing. And so I stole it because that's what good pastors do. They steal. So <laughs> let's look at this graph, and then after it, I want to reflect more on Scripture so you're not just believing my words. And uh, a pretty picture. I mean, it's cool. It's not that pretty. Anyway, all right, here we go. The first part of this graph. Let's show the first slide. So here is this, um, here is this idea. It begins uh, with the top half uh, representing God's holiness and the bottom half representing our sinfulness. And so if you just look towards that little dot um, kind of uh, towards the left there, bef- the dot represents like conversion in Christ. And so before you come to Jesus, uh, God's holiness is veiled to you. It's unknown to you. And your own sinfulness is also veiled to you. It's unknown. And so you, before knowing Jesus, you don't understand completely God's holiness. You don't understand your own sinfulness. But in the second slide, after conversion, you understand the gospel. You can put up the next one. And I think it changes the color to yellow. There we go. After conversion, you fill this gap with the cross. You guys kind of understanding there's this kind of fluctuating line on the top and bottom that as we continue to live, we understand more and more about God's holiness, like more of God's power and glory is revealed to us. And also we we keep living and we keep realizing that we stink more than we realize. Like the sin is worse than we could imagine. And so as we live, there's this squiggly line like of of God's holiness being unveiled to us, our sinfulness being unveiled to us. But at conversion, we fill that gap with the cross. This is the the gospel we just saw in Romans. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It gaps the bridge between God's holiness and our sinfulness. This is beautiful. But you can already maybe see what the problem might be. My, My worry for many of us is that we just pull over this understanding of the cross to our new understanding of God's holiness and our sin. So here is my worry. Let's throw up this next slide. Here's the the third part. If we just pull on over this understanding we have of the cross, we get to this part in our lives where all of a sudden we are a Christian, we're following Jesus, we love God, and now we're realizing he's a lot more holy than I thought he was. And then you look at your sin and you're going, man, I'm more jacked up than I thought I was. And if we don't expand the view of Christ and the view of what Jesus did on the cross, there's this gap. And so above us, all of a sudden, we're just uh, uh, trying to, this, this works righteousness. We fall right back into this idea that we can earn God's love. And so maybe you've been a Christian for a while. All of a sudden, you're realizing, oh, gosh, like my sin is messed up and God is so good. And so you start serving at church so that God can love you. You start reading your Bible so God would bless you. You start praying and doing all these things and just trying to do these things for a self-righteous desire, boasting in our works. And on the bottom side, below that, there is this gap between the cross in our minds and the sin that we've committed. And so 
we might be tempted to fill this gap with excuses, with denial, with lying. The other day, I, um, uh, my, my wife and I just moved, and so I was like, this is cool. I'm going to move, and I'm going to become a handyman. I love it, right? And so I start looking up, like, I start looking at, like, plumber's quotes, and I'm like, boy, oh, boy, that's expensive. And then I watch a YouTube video, and I'm like, I ain't need no plumber. Like, I can do this. And so the other day, Tuesday, I found a YouTube video that made it look easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I was like, I got this, right? And so I'm home alone, and I'm like, this will be like 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, like an hour and 30 minutes goes by, and I'm just like underneath this cabinet, like screaming. I'm like, ah! And so I, like, my wife gets home. I'm like, hey, um, uh, just, like, don't use the faucet over there. It doesn't work, right? So I was like, we got other faucets in the house. Just use those. And so while I was doing it, though, I, I noticed on the, the water shutoff valve, which I didn't know was a thing until I watched this video, right? Um, I, I turned it, and then, like, it never, like, really shut off the water. Like, it, it did, but there was this drip. And I watched this drip. I heard it was like, And I was like, okay, like, that's nothing, right? Like, I can handle some drips. And so I, I'm about to go to bed, and I was like, I'll be a responsible adult. I'll put a towel under there. I put a towel, and I'm like, I'll be even more responsible. Like, I'm going pretty overkill on this one. And let me put two towels under this drippy drip, you know? So I put two towels under the drippy drip. I go to bed. I wake up at 645, go to the bathroom. Boom, step, puddle of water. <laughs> no! I'm sitting there, and I just, I'm like, where did this come from? Like, it must be the shower. And so I look in the shower, and I'm like, what the heck's going on? And then I turn, and I see these soaking wet towels and see this, like, avalanche of water exiting this cabinet onto my ground. And I just think to myself, like, what have I done? I'm sorry, plumbers, for disrespecting you, right? Like, there's this moment where I thought this drip was, like, nothing. I saw it, and I was just in denial. I started making excuses, and I think... For many of us as Christians, this is how we view our sin. Like, we know Jesus has died on the cross for us. We start struggling with some sin. And then rather than dealing with it, we just deny that it's a thing. We deny that it's a problem. We make excuses. And and next week, Brian is going to come back and talk about what do we do, really, when we discover the sinfulness of who we are. Are But if we don't change the way we see the cross of Christ, we will end up in this place as Christians that is self-righteous boasting in our works while denying the sinfulness of who we really are. Here is the last slide. This is what we need to do. I believe this is what it looks like to abide in Christ. It is not to boast in ourself or to deny our sin, but it is to expand our view and understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. This is what it means to remain in Christ. That the cross of Christ is what it really is. That it completely covers our sinfulness in view of God's complete and immeasurable holiness. Um, There's this book called The Cross of Christ by John Stott. It is this awesome book for at least the first three chapters because I haven't finished it. So um, (laughs) I started it in like 2017. I'm a slow reader, all right, guys? So I can't speak towards the last 10 chapters, but I know the first three are good, so maybe go read it. But 
this is what he says when, um, <laughs> this is what John Stott says when he's talking about the cross. He says this, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us that, leading, that leads us to faith and worship, we have to see it as something done by us that leads to repentance. The wickedness of our sin should remind us of the cross, that because of our actions, Jesus had to die. But it should make Jesus' death that much sweeter to our souls. We put him on the cross because of our sin. That is why Jesus had to die. But also, let us be clear, it's not like it was against Jesus' will and he was some martyr that was put in a place he didn't want to be. This is what Jesus came to do. Later on, John Stott says this. He's quoting somebody else named Octavius Winslow, who summed it up in a neat statement. Who delivered Jesus to die? Was it Judas, who took money and it was for money? Was it Pilate, out of fear of the crowds? Or the Jews, out of envy because of his teaching? No. It was the Father for love. Yes, we put Jesus on the cross because of our sin, but also the Father the gardener who's in control, in his work of making you and I fruitful, he was the one who delivered Jesus to the cross. In light of our unveiling sin and of God's holiness, we need to expand the view of the cross and not the, uh, the view of our works. Let's look at some scriptures to see what um, th that has to do, that gives light, I, I believe, to the craft we just looked at. John 6, 28 through 29 says this, um, this crowd, they go up to Jesus and they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Like, what do we have to do? Because God asks us some things. Like, what, what, what's this list? What's the do's and the don'ts? Like, Jesus, what do we have to do? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I think that, like I mentioned earlier, the Satan is this father of lies and just deceives us to answer that differently. He deceives us to make us think that Jesus said, the work of God is this, and then fill in the blank with whatever churchy idea is in your mind. Jesus says that the work we do is belief in Jesus. This is justification. This is that point on that graph where the cross begins to cover up this gap. Then Galatians 3, uh, 1 through 3. I don't think y'all are ready for this one. This passage is wild. I love it. Here we go. Galatians 3. Sorry, I, you're going to see. It's so good. All right, here we go. <laughs> you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? <laughs> like, not what you want to hear from a guy inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? So, um, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And then he goes on. Before your own, your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So he's reflecting, like, kind of on that John 6 passage we just read. He's like, did you receive God's Spirit by your works or by belief? And he says this, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? 
This is what he's confronting. This idea that when we pull the cross over and we start to see more of God's holiness and more of our sin, how do we bridge the gap? Do we bridge it with more works, more boasting, more effort, more us, me, 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 me? Or do we understand that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and it is the Spirit of God that has begun a work in us and will bring it to completion. How can we expect to finish this work by our works? Now, I know some of you might be thinking, Connor, like, just like rewind this a few minutes. You were talking about memorizing Romans. You were talking about preaching to yourself. You're talking about expanding this view. Like, aren't those works? This is what Dallas Willard has to say on this idea. Grace is opposed to earning, but not effort. Like, we do not earn the grace of God, but yes, in response of it, we give God all of our effort. Remember Romans 12.1, in view of God's mercy, what do we do? We give him everything, every part of our body, and that is what worship is. This is this art of living. This is this art of being, of being with the Spirit of God. Like I said, in the, in the, in the following weeks, you're going to hear some, maybe some more practical things, but we just want to be really clear that this series is not about our works. It's about the Spirit of God moving in us as we are being with Him. I have one last question and one last passage for us to read before we continue to worship Jesus tonight. This is the question. Is the cross of Christ an intellectual idea to know or a treasure to behold? Is the cross of Christ just something to know, or is it a treasure to behold? Do you treasure the cross of Christ? It's what it caused us to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. This is what 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12 with this says. The context of this is um, the Th Thessalonians are in just this massive amount of persecution. They're getting killed and, and just beaten and all these horrible things for their faith in Jesus. And this is what Paul is writing to them. With this in mind, the persecution, I con we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Do you see this language he's using? Who's the one at work? God's the one at work. God is the one that we're praying and saying, God, would you make me worthy? God, it is by your power that you're bringing to fruition this every good desire, the goodness and every de uh, deed that is prompted by faith. He continues by saying, we pray this, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the result of this fruitfulness that the gardener is working on in our lives as we remain in him? The result is that King Jesus is glorified in our lives. The result is that according to the grace of God, that the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. This is the goal of the gospel. This is the result, and this is what we get to participate in now. We get to respond just like in that Romans 12, to remember and view God's mercy and to say, God, you get my everything. Not just some of me, but like, God, all of me that we can reflect as a church community and say, it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus as we remain in him. Would you join me in prayer? 
Father, we thank you for the cross. I thank you that you see the wickedness of my sin and our sin. And you demonstrate love by sending your son. You delivered him. You sent him for a purpose to die. That he reigns as king. And his biggest act was his death and then his resurrection. God, I thank you that we have a, a hope in the Holy Spirit that works in us. God, I pray that these would not just be ideas that we see in Scripture, but that this would stir our hearts towards love. I pray that this community would remember that preaching the gospel to ourselves is how we can remain in you. That you'd cause us to remember in view of our wicked sin, in view of your glory and mightiness and power and honor, God, in midst of that, the cross covers it. So God, I pray that your spirit would be finishing this work in our lives. God, I pray that as we continue to sing songs, continue this act of worship, that you just draw us closer to you, fill us with joy as we experience this art of being with the Spirit of God, this art of knowing and abiding and remaining in Christ. God, we ask that your Spirit would move, that you'd give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear your goodness. Lord, we pray these things in the name of King Jesus because we need you and love you. Amen.